Hey everyone, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. So did you all, like me, get sucked into NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month of November, where every day you had to crank out 1,700 words to hit 50,000 written words in one month? No? You didn't? Well, I'm on target to finish mine, and I will have to say that my novel is completely a mess. If you don't know anything about NaNoWriMo, it is a amazing idea started about 15 years ago um, and we're going to hear the entire story with my guest her name is kelly jones and she is the one who got me into this whole thing uh, she's a uh, talent development specialist down at nestle but she also is a academic and has done lots of studying of this phenomenon known as NaNoWriMo. Um, she did her thesis on it um, and if you really want to learn all about it check it out i've posted some links if you're finishing a novel like mine, God love you. Um, and if you don't know anything about it, you can certainly do it any month. December could be your NaNoWriMo. Enjoy my conversation with Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones. Hello. How are you? Good, Jeff. How Good. are you? Good. And the reason we're, we're talking today is because we are both in, you were the one that suggested that I do NaNoWriMo. Yes. Which is, November is National Novel Writing Month. Correct. And it started 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It started in 1999. 1999. So. And this guy just decided that. Yes. Yeah, so Chris Beatty, is yeah. a, he was a journalist um, out in California. And he wanted to write a novel. Yep. And he figured that he needed a deadline, and he wanted to share the pressure of meeting that deadline with his friends. Yeah. So he got together a group. I think he had 19 people. Okay. And they picked um, the shortest books that they could find at the bookstore. Okay. So I think Of Mice and Men ended up being like their model. Okay. And it was about 50,000 words. Okay. So Of Mice and Men is the 50,000-word novel. Yep. Okay. So that was what they aimed for. And the rule was write only. No editing, right. no polishing. If you get stuck, you can write your character's grocery list, but you don't delete any words. Right. So at the end of the month, and Chris, obviously, at the time, did not have children or Thanksgiving responsibilities, right. because why in hell he picked November, I don't know. Right. Um, and it caught on. And so I think only a few of them finished that first year. Yeah. And the second year... Um, they put it online, I think, to keep up with their word count. Okay. Oh, and yeah. then, to like, sort of track their word count. Yeah. Makes sense. And then I think the following year, like, a blogger picked it up. Okay. So by 2004, it was a thing. It was a thing. It was a thing. And yeah. he wrote a book called No Plot, No Problem. Okay. About how to do nano. And I walked into a bookstore in Macon, Georgia, one day, around 2006, seven ish Okay. You had no idea what this was. I had no idea what this was. But the book yeah. was right there in the writer's the how-to writing shelf. Yeah. And I saw it and I went, well, I don't have a plot. Awesome. <laughs> so I took the, the book home and learned about NaNo and have, have participated ever since. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if you're listening and you want to write a novel, you can always make December your personal national novel. Absolutely. Right we're going to talk about how to write this novel in a month. Yeah. You're going to hack, you can hack this thing however you want. Right. So the cool thing about doing it in November is 
There's a whole bunch of people all over the world yeah. that are doing it with you. Yeah, so how many people do you think are doing it this year? About me half and a million. You, me and you yeah. and 498,000. Other people, yeah. Other and, people. and it's global. Right. So this is all over the world. Um, but St. Louis is a very, um, I would say, strong participation city. Oh, good. But all the public libraries get involved. Yeah. And they invite writers to come in, and they do, like, kickoff workshops and a party to begin, and then they'll have a party on November 30th. Oh, good. They call it a thank God it's over good. party. I will be at that party. Yeah. Thank so God it's over. Thank God it's over. Is that the one downtown? Uh, I think each branch will do one. Oh, wow. So okay. NaNoWriMo, the thank God it's over party, is a tradition. <laughs> and um, then the thinking is... You take all of that stuff you wrote in November and you put it away. Okay. You don't look at it for at least a month. Okay. So the goal is not to finish that last word and ship it off to a literary agent. No. Because it's a hot mess. Yeah, it is a hot mess. You let it sit for a while and then you come back in January and read what you wrote and decide what of that is usable. Like, what can I keep and what's good and how do I edit it and do something with it? Yeah. But the goal of the November part is just to get ideas out of your head. Okay. Well, that's good. I, so we'll talk, let's talk about our process. Then we'll talk about how you made this your thesis. Yes. yes made this your thesis, this whole idea of creative writing. But So I, you said, oh, yeah, sign up for this. And I'm like, well, that just sounds stupid enough to do. <laughs> that just sounds like something. Yes. Right? Yes. So I did it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's a commitment. So I've, I'm mm-hmm. on my word count. So it's day 21. And I'm at 36, 37,000 words. And you are rocking. Which is, I know. That is fantastic. But it is. You got to get up every morning and bang out 500. Yep. I got to bang out 500 sometime during the day. And then you still have 700 okay. words tonight at That's night. That's right. Right? 1,671, that right? Yeah, every day. Yeah. yeah. That last 700 words is a nightmare wow. to me. Like, I'm good in the morning, I found. Okay. And the the novel, I had a story. It's somewhere. I have no idea what I'm writing about today. Now you're just writing character sketch, anything. 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 You're just anything. grasping for yes. anything. You can write about your character's early yes. nightmares, yes. first kiss, favorite right. color, doesn't matter. That's what I've gotten into. Anything. They went to high school. They went to this. <laughs> and you're just writing to write yeah. anything. Yes. And so I wonder if that will be usable. And I don't even know if mm-hmm. it matters, right? No, it doesn't matter right now. Right. So the point of it is not to be usable. Okay. But I think anything you discover about your story yeah. that you didn't know going in yeah. is usable. Okay. So writing is ultimately like an iceberg, yeah. right? So 90% of your book is below the surface yeah. and it's stuff readers never see. Yeah. So like if you look at Harry Potter, for uh-huh. example, uh-huh. for each novel that we read, J.K. Rowling has hundreds of notebooks. Wow. She has deep biography sketches. She has the biography of the guy that sells Harry Potter and ice cream. Wow. Like, we never meet that guy yeah, again. Yeah. She has his whole life story. Wow. So that's it, how she does it. That's how she does it. Wow. So it just adds to the richness of your story and yeah. your understanding of your characters. Yeah. Whether or not it makes it into the final novel doesn't matter. That's right awesome. Right now. So, I, and I have been a copywriter my entire career, and we are allowed to write three words on a billboard. So that's our, <laughs> how we've been trained to write. Incredibly short bullet points for wow. people who can't read, who don't want to read. So we're, we're, we're trained to write as brief as possible. And, and there is a certain genius in being able to sum up big ideas succinctly. Absolutely. Because that's right. what you get paid for. I have no, I have more respect for nov- novelists than I, you know. The, so is it harder just to write first, more? It's so much harder to write more. I think, and I can't imagine, like, I can see how people have to go off on an island and can be consumed for years yeah. trying to do to do a novel. Because mm-hmm. mine's just a silly, a, whatever, it is what it is. But if you had to actually go research all this stuff and actually find out, I mean, my God, you can just go on forever. 
Yeah. It is crazy. So yeah. novelists, that's a whole nother level of It's commitment. a whole lot of work. Right? Yeah. It's just this yeah. massive amount of work. It is. So it's crazy. And so you've, how many years have you actually done this? You've done it every year? Almost every year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And have you written fiction, nonfiction? Written I have everything? tried a little bit of everything okay. and found that I am equally bad at <laughs> pretty much every genre. So I can own that. Um, That's so I good. tried the first year, I tried a mystery. Okay. Realized like 10,000 words in, I didn't know who the hell had done it. <laughs> Probably not a good sign. Like, for the, like, I don't even know who did this. I don't this. even know. It's such a mystery. I don't know if this crime even makes sense or is feasible. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I probably don't have the mind for, for a mystery. Okay. Um, the next year I tried um, retelling a fairy tale. Okay. Because I love that genre. Okay. Um, suck pretty bad at that, too. But okay. it's fun. So one of my favorite NaNoWriMo writers is Marissa Meyer, and she writes why... Um, and she has a series called The Lunar Chronicles. And she started the novels with a prompt. I think she pulled, like, two slips of paper out of a jar to okay. mish, oh. like mash up two yeah. genres. Yeah. So, she so pulled, that's how she does it. That's how she does it. Wow. She pulled steampunk and fairy tales. Wow. And she wrote this book called Cinder. Okay. Where the character of Cinderella is a cyborg, like oh in the gosh. way, way future. Wow. It's amazing. That is amazing. It's amazing. And, and she, what's her name? Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll post her oh, name She's next. fantastic. So she's a novelist that does this every year. Yes. And there are people who, there are some really great books that have come out. Yeah. So, um, bestsellers. Water for Elephants oh, yeah. was a NaNoWriMo book. Wow. Um, the Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern okay. is an NaNoWriMo novel. Wow. Um, so, yeah, some really cool... So it can happen. It can happen. That's so cool. Absolutely. So, so tell me, this is when we met, you said you had done... You had gotten into this as a what NaNoWriMo represented. Yes. And it became this fascination for you as a graduate student? As a, yes, as a, as a boring academic researcher. Okay. So I... And um, you can tell us what you do in a second. <laughs> So I was working on a doctorate in curriculum and instruction, studying adult learners. And I'm really fascinated with, like, an informal learning space. So how people come together to learn things outside of school, outside of work, outside of formal training, when they don't get a degree or they don't get a certificate. Like, learning just because they love whatever it is they're studying. And I'm fascinated by how groups come together and do that and how people support each other and kind of this informal apprenticeship that happens, right? So um, when I was in high school and I read Frankenstein, our teacher told us this story. It was like Mary Shelley and Percy Shelley and Lord Byron and some other folks that had gotten together, and they were like like a creative group. Okay. And out of one of their discussions, prompts, comes this idea for Frankenstein. Wow. And so it was like the thought of getting creative people together and just working to learn something, yeah. you know, or to crack yeah. open a, a book yeah. um, or a story or a, no- a novel idea fascinated me. Okay. And so... It, is it like the old Parisian salons of writers, or is it... Any, that, for me, it's any any group. It's any group, okay. Yeah, any but, creative group that are coming together. But throughout history, there have been examples oh, of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, artists have done this. Yeah. Uh, the Inklings. So, um, uh, Tolkien... And C.S. Lewis and some of those writers were all pals. Were all pals. Wow! Yeah. And they called themselves the Inklings. Got together, talked about story, and look at the amazing work yeah. that came from that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think most people think of writing or or art in general as very isolated yeah. activities, and they really don't need to be. Yeah. You know, I, I do much better creatively in With, a group. Okay. You know. Yeah. Brene Brown calls it creative midwifery. 
So like you need somebody <laughs> to help you bring your ideas like, forth. That's you know? beautiful. Yeah. And so um, I was interested in how people help each other with creative writing, um, especially online. Okay. So the internet had kind of become a thing, and I had been in that space since about 1999. I took my first web development class a million years ago. Wow. And I really wanted to study how people came together as a group okay. for some creative endeavor yeah. and how they did it online with no teachers and no degrees yeah. and no credits and no rules. Um, and so Nano really presented itself as, a, as an interesting thing. research site. Yeah. You know? And then Chris Beatty... I let me interview him. Okay. And he actually, um, he spent about three hours with me and just gave me amazing, he was brilliant and incredible and renewed like all faith in humanity. Wow. If you're, just get to the point where you don't believe in people anymore, you need to go talk to Chris Beatty. Because it was completely altruistic or completely? Just, yeah, just he genuinely believes in the creative power of people. Yeah. And he did this whole thing not to make money and not to make a name for himself. NaNoWriMo is a nonprofit. Right. Um, he just wanted to give people a forum for writing together who maybe didn't have a group of their own. Wow. So, so you studied this as your thesis. I did. And what did you learn? Like, what, what were so the findings? I ended up interviewing 100 people in 12 different countries, okay. all of whom had hit the 50,000-word goal okay. right? um, to find out why the hell they did it, first of all, <laughs> uh, how they stuck with it and what they learned from okay. it. And what I found out was people were highly motivated by the deadline because yeah. it was a finite amount of time. Yeah. So it's one thing to say, well, one day I'm going to write a novel. Yeah. It's another thing to say, I'm going to do this really hard for 30 days, but then I'm done. Yeah. So it gives you this, you this know, thing. yeah, like yeah. this is going to be exhausting, but yeah. it's only for a month. Right. Um, and then the shared camaraderie of other people. So mm-hmm. it ends up being this like shared creative energy. Yeah. Because you're working toward the goal and I'm working toward the goal, but your progress does not take away from mine. Right. So we're able to encourage each other. Yeah. Right. There's nothing competitive about yeah. this at all. Yeah. We're just all trying to hit the same yeah. number. Yeah. Um, and then they found that the sh- that shared um, community, that shared sense of almost like a fandom. Like mm-hmm. we are people who love story mm-hmm. and we're here with other people who love story and we love writing. Um, but that was incredibly energizing. And they learned a lot about themselves from like a metacognition mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. They learned more about how they write and what processes work for them. And I think unlocking processes yeah. is so important because we don't see how most writers write. Yeah. We just see the finished book. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't see the bad drafts and you don't see the yeah. whatever worked for them. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can share processes, I think the more we can help people embrace creative work. So that's interesting. So one of the things that this reminded me of was uh, Julia Julia's Morning Pages. Yes, you Julie know, Cameron. Julie Cameron. Artist Way. Artist right? Way, right? Mm-hmm. So I came across that book 20 years ago. Yeah. And remember getting up and writing Morning Pages for years. Mm-hmm. Like it, and, and this feels a lot like that in that the Morning Pages made the rest of your day more creative. Right. Right? Right. Absolutely. That's what this feels like. It yes. just It sharpens your thinking in mm-hmm. the, or whatever. Yeah. And so I wonder if people found that like... Just as a trying to get your creative going. Mm-hmm. I think it works different ways for different people. Yeah. Some people wrote every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, some people wrote at night. I tend to write only on the weekends. Oh. Because I don't have time right. during the week. Right. Um, Which has got to be brutal. It's awful. But 
I if I'd rather have a three hour uninterrupted block okay. than try to write thirty minutes at a time. Okay. Because I want to dive deep. Gotcha. First. Okay. And then if I get interrupted, I get incredibly cranky, and nobody wants to be part of that. So it's good to have that deep dive time. Um, but I am taking notes and like capturing notes that Always. by the end of the week add up to words. Oh. Because in NaNoWriMo, I don't count, baby. Like, I'm putting it all in there. Yeah, yeah, It all yeah. goes in the word count. Totally. Um, so it's just interesting to find out the processes that work for you. Yeah. You know. And so, and so tell me, right now, you have become, we were talking about your career journey <laughs> and how you've gone from academia. We were sitting at Nestle Purina yes. right now. And you are in the um, human development space, I yes. guess. Employee yes. Employee development mm-hmm. space. Yep. And how this unlocking of people's creative potential yes and what you're into now right it's yeah. kind of all the same it really is yeah it's just different expressions of the same idea yeah of helping people become more in touch with their creativity helping them learn how they learn yeah. which I think is an amazing skill. Yeah. Most of us go through school, and we either get good at school or we don't, yeah. but we don't really learn how we learn, yeah. you know, and how to Because harness... school's sort of taught in one way. Yes. Right? Very sadly, yes. yes. And, and creativity every... and creative writing are rarely taught at all. True. You know, yeah. I never had a creative writing class, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, higher levels, but yeah, not. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just across the board. No. Interesting. Yeah. So you get here and have to develop training, and is that the goal is to, so, you know, this is a corporation, or this is a company that is going to find real value in innovation and creativity, Absolutely. and it's got to unlock that across the board, because that's just the world we live in. I think so. Right? Yeah. And so how do you take the, take the things you've learned in academia and bring them here you know what I'm saying? I'll let you know when I figure it out. Because um, <laughs> we were, think, we were so excited about this, and this whole yeah, job surprised you. Yes. That you were even here. Yes. You're like, it, how did I end up here? It surprises me every day. Um, I ended up here through LinkedIn. Okay. They just found you. They found me. Um, recruiter on LinkedIn contacted me, and I was very intrigued yeah. to see. So I think there's basically four types of professional learning, maybe four phases. Okay. So one would be your typical K-12 teacher, middle school, high school, elementary school. Yeah. Well, I've done that. Yeah, I've taught middle school and high school. That's right. Then you have higher ed. So okay. you have all your post-secondary yeah. work. Well, I've taught community college, undergraduate, and graduate. Okay. And then you have, like, professional development, learning. So within your career, or maybe you're a doctor and you have to do a certain number of credits to keep your license. Yep. Or you have training that you do at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that because okay. we did that through consultants with the university, yep. right? But then you have that that other piece that happens while you're at work. Yeah. So the real workplace learning, training and development in your job, mm-hmm. I had never done that piece. Yeah. So it was fascinating for me to study learning all across the lifespan yeah. to really be able to, to dig into this and to live it. And it was important to do that for a company that I believed in with a good culture. Yeah. Uh, so Purina has been awesome. Yeah. But it's still a different planet sure. for me from higher ed. Totally. Like I learn something <laughs> new every day. Um, but I think what translates is the fact that people, um, everyone has creative potential. Yeah. You know, and everyone has the ability to develop their intellect and to develop their ways of thinking and their metacognition way past a college graduation point yeah you know and the more that you learn about yourself as a learner the more you can intentionally apply that 
at life and parenting yep. to your hobbies at work yeah. to a novel, yeah. you know, anything you want. Yeah. Would you, if, if I'm an employee of a company out there, what are, what are some things that I can do to make sure that I'm taking advantage of this or things to look out for or ways of behaving? That oh, will, that's will... a great question. Um, look at what you're feeding your brain. Yeah. So what okay. are you, what are you putting in it? Like like actual like no like inputs? content yeah bagels so, like <laughs> like for every hour of reality TV you watch are you at least reading a book <laughs> right yeah yeah um, what are you putting what content are you putting in it because okay. you you can't think about ideas you haven't been exposed to okay right and you can't build your vocabulary if you're not exposed to new words okay so are you listening to podcasts mm-hmm. are, and there's a podcast for every topic. There is. Anything you're interested in, yep. you can find yep. a podcast. Yep. And is that ultimately going to, to help you as a learner more than your morning radio yeah. talk show? Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, yeah. or commercials. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, television's fine. I'm not bashing it. But, but what are you doing to intentionally help yourself learn? And yeah. it doesn't have to be going back to school. Um, are there, is there a group? Mm-hmm. Of people that are interested in learning yeah. the things that you're interested in, and yeah. are you involved with them? Yeah, you know there are so many opportunities for that here. Do you want to learn how to make glass jewelry? There's a place. Yeah, you know, do you want to go back and learn how to play an instrument? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, for your brain. Um, there's even you know video games that are designed mm-hmm. to help you continually develop cognitively as an adult. Yeah, but for me, I think it's what is your reading life like? Oh, you know, okay. really? Yeah. yeah, that's what you're, you I, recommend. I, yes, of I do. Yeah. I believe in books. Yeah. Audio books or e-book, I don't care what the format is, but but what are you reading? Have you read lately? Yeah. And do you talk about your books yeah. with a Which friend? Is, yeah. You know? yeah, that's a big one, too, because a lot of people read and never talk about them. Right, That's right. interesting. So if, and if, if, I'm, if I run a company, what are things that I can do? Because I think companies... Don't, don't even think about this in the world of hourly and billability and profit and being lean and mean and, you know, they want their employees to come and work all the time. And in the creative business, I know that just it's really hard to be creative all the time and grind it out. You have to be inspired. You have to almost yes. be as inspired as much as you are creative. And so it's, I've always said, oh, let's go on field trips or try to get creative people to have time each week to find Absolutely. some inspiration. Mm-hmm. But, I, but in a big company like this, did, are, are you backed by the people? Do they, do they get that part? And is that part of something that training-wise or development-wise we encourage? I think so. I encourage think, being curious about stuff, or I don't know. I, I think it all comes down to curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity is probably the biggest word there. And are you nurturing intentionally? Are you nurturing curiosity in your employees? But I think the decision to be a learning organization and to have a learning culture is an intentional choice that a company either makes or they don't. Um, I do think this company has done that. Um, So are you encouraging innovation? Are you encouraging creativity? Do you allow people to ask questions? Do Mm -hmm. you encourage people to fail forward? You know, can I try something and it not work? You know, is, is that allowed yeah. at work? Yeah. Um, does the culture support it? Yeah. I think those are big questions. But then, are your leaders modeling learning? Are they learning new things? Are they sharing something really cool that they read or studied? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. for creative folks, are you incorporating um, the emotional side? You know, are you giving people the chance to connect with nature 
or yeah. you know to take a, a mm. mental space and think outside of their cubicle um, you know to get stimulated by mm. different visual surroundings yeah. um, I think that those things are are really important and that they really can be designed yeah but nobody can be creative 24 7 yeah your, your brain just can't can't do it there's no way yeah not without the help of substances that we're not supposed to use work. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know what you'd be talking about, Kate. Fair enough. But you don't recommend. Yeah. Like, this we'll is not a, what I'll we have want. another podcast on drugs. Do they help? We'll do see. they help? Well, but you know, so um, Elizabeth Gilbert does this TED Talk, uh-huh. which is amazing and incredible. Probably still my favorite TED Talk to date. And she talks about creativity. Okay. And she said, way back in the day, it used to be that everyone... It was assumed everyone had a genius. It was like this external yeah, force yeah. that was in charge of their creativity. Okay. So if you this were off... This was ancient Greek Yeah, times. ancient These Greek. These are muses. These yep. are... Yeah, they called them demon, daemons. Daemons. But it was like your genius. Yeah. So if you tried to write that day and your writing sucked, well, it wasn't your fault. Your genius was obviously Out having a bad something day. something else. Right. Yeah. But when that culture shifted mm-hmm. and we became geniuses instead of having geniuses, yeah. right? And I'm completely stealing her words. Sure. This is Elizabeth Gilbert, footnote. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll post it. Yeah. That you then internalize that need to always inspire yourself yeah. instead of finding it externally. And that historically was when our artists started turning to drugs and alcohol Wow! in ways that they never had to before. Because of the pressure of being a genius. That's of right. being called a genius. Yes. And, and you can't be all the time. You can't. There's no way. And the other way was genius was this thing that's outside of you mm-hmm. and anyone could get it. It right. just happened to be something you grabbed that day or came right. to you that day. Mm-hmm. That's wow. right. Wow. Right. So one day you might, your genius is on fire. Yeah. The next day your genius is like your average you know, guy yeah. watching TV on the couch. Yeah, so it didn't matter. So it didn't matter. But it didn't it didn't imply anything about you yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Whereas now, if you write a best selling novel You're a genius. We're waiting to see how bad your second one is. Right. Is the second one gonna be good or is it gonna flop? You yeah. know, if you write one great movie script, yeah, you have to immediately turn around and do another one. If you deliver one fantastic performance, you're yeah. immediately judged yeah. by the next one. Yeah. Which so, is so not fair. It's so not fair. Yeah. And it's not good. No. That judgment that goes in with judging the product yeah. instead of celebrating the creative process, yeah. I think, holds a lot of people back. Yeah. From, yeah. God, that's super interesting. Because, yeah, it's the idea, it, it, that sort of validates that creativity can come from anyone, and anyone can have a moment of genius at any time. It's not just given to, some people obviously have a little bit, it visits more often yes, than with absolutely. others. Absolutely. But... Everyone has a moment of right. genius, and every and when you're in the business of marketing and advertising, where you need a volume of ideas, right? It, you almost have to build that culture. And here, yes, like you absolutely, you need a volume of ideas That's every right. day. This That's is a right. company that needs ideas. Yes, every company and needs everybody ideas. needs to contribute that. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting to think That's about right. that anyone can have that genius moment. Right, and right. think how early we label kids. Oh, he's creative and she's not. Yeah. Or he's a right brain thinker and she's not. Yeah. It's just not true. No, yeah, exactly. You know. Everyone has both things. Everyone has different moments of creativity and different types of intelligence. Yeah. That we don't tend to value equally. Yeah. Well, it's funny, just raising kids, we get very caught up in, they're not doing well in this way of learning at school, and so you Mm -hmm. kind of panic. Yes. But then I know, like, I look at one of them who's just like, he's just not, that's not going to be his thing. Right. But he's got lots of other things that are going to be his thing. Mm -hmm. And the other one is fine at school. 
Right. You know, and it's, but yeah, you can't worry about that because right. like no. it'll be all right. Absolutely not. So and fun. you don't want to define kids. Yeah, way. you don't want to tell them they are good or bad. Right. Absolutely they not. They could all be good at a different age, right. a different grade. Like for me, I have 12 years of report cards that say, Kelly is very good at English, but she really needs to work harder at math. <laughs> I suck at math. <laughs> Just, it's not going to happen. It's, but that fear of not being good at math kept me out of applying for a doctorate for 10 years. Wow. Because I was afraid I couldn't do the advanced level inferential statistics. And you could. And I did. It, it, it hurt my brain. It hurt. It sucked. <laughs> and I brought enormous amounts of caffeine every night to those classes <laughs> and cried multiple times. And I think I dropped out like 14 times oh my gosh. over the semester. <laughs> um, but I got through it. You did it. Yeah. Wow. But it was, and, but it took, I had to have, um, I had to have a tutor. Yeah. And that is incredibly humbling yeah. to admit, but I did. Um, it just wasn't, my brain doesn't work that way. That's fine. But, but I learned it. It is learnable. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. So being told you weren't good at it kept you out of it for 10 years. Yes. It would have been the same ex- journey. Yeah, it would have sucked either way. <laughs> so just, just 10 years later. I could have gotten it done earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was truly afraid. I was afraid of failing the advanced wow. statistics classes oh and so goodness. that kept me out of becoming a quote-unquote researcher yeah. which I love more than almost anything yeah good so you know it's yeah. I don't think we should ever tell a child you're not good at this discipline or you're because there are many different ways to teach yeah yeah every topic yeah you know yeah and we, we need to adjust the way that we teach things instead yeah. of the way that we expect people to learn things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's easier said than done. It is. I, in I a very broken education system. I know. Well, that's why you're here doing it here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. But yeah, there's a there's the right levers are in place to succeed here. I think so. Yeah. yeah I think so. And it's encouraging to see companies recognize more and more the fact that training is not the item on the budget that you cut when times get hard yeah right that developing your people is your greatest asset yeah. and the the creativity that people bring to work every day is is really the dna of your company no matter what you do yeah i love it all right well that's a good place to end this um good luck on the rest of nano you too i, I want to hear I know, me how too. this novel so, i'm so proud of your work count i'm so like, proud that you that is awesome this i know well, it's fantastic I, yeah we'll see yeah. But yeah, I like this whole then walk away for a month thing. Yeah, and let it cool. Just let it <laughs> sit. So right. I'll see you at the Thank God It's Over party. Thank God It's Over party. We'll see you there. All you nanoramas come out there. Uh, thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Jack.